It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. I am so glad that you are listening today. We're going to talk about blessings. How would you like to grab one? What about America? Is America blessed? God bless you. God bless America. We hear it all the time from every president, including the latest one. But what does that mean? And will God continue to bless America? And will God bless you? Ladies and gentlemen, we now take a moment to sing God Bless America. We are led tonight by retired Navy Petty Officer First Class, Generald Wilson. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the nights with the lights from above. So has God blessed America? Does God still bless America? And will America continue to be blessed? We're taking that on today. We're going to get a pastor's point of view. We're going to get a rabbi's point of view. Of course, you'll hear mine, but we're also going to take it off the wall. It's off the wall commentary. Let's take it off the wall. We just take it on with, I think the sound effects are crazy there. Uh, We take it on with uh, an off-the-wall commentator, just regular conversation from real people. Our off-the-wall commentator is Mark Griswold. Hey, Mark. Hey, Michelle. Good to be here as always. So uh, we hear it all the time. You can't get a president up on stage without saying those words, God bless America. Amen. So has God blessed America? Yes, and God has blessed every other country on earth uh, for all of time, because all Good point. God does is bless. God, God is love. God is a blessing. It may not always seem like it to us, but everything he does is a blessing. Okay, that's a very good point, and I love it. I agree with you. Everything that comes from the hand of God is a blessing. It's what we do with it and how we look at it. And maybe as we have become a spoiled nation, it's hard for us to see us as being a blessed nation because maybe we're not getting everything on our laundry list that we throw God's way. Amen. You you look throughout history and... It's a constant roller coaster of, you know, take the Jews uh, in Egypt. They get uh, freed by Moses. The Egyptians chase them across. All these miraculous things, the parting of the Red Sea. And it isn't but a short time later that they're all bowing down to the golden calf because they want more. And humans (laughs) are like an insolent child. You know, I have three kids. Uh, They're pretty good in general. But being a parent has taught me more about God than anything else. Because you look at these kids, you love them immensely. Uh, There's nothing they can do that will take that love away. But sometimes you have to punish them. And they don't like that. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've heard, Daddy's so mean. 
from my middle child <laughs> because I'm asking him to put on his shoes or put on a coat so he doesn't get cold outside or <laughs> go to bed at a reasonable hour so he's not tired. And I'm just so horrible. But I'm doing it out of love, right? God does that out of love. So I would say right now we're going through the fire a little bit. It's, it's not the greatest time. But in a way, we are more blessed now than we ever have been before, because up until this point, you know, we had everything we wanted, peace, prosperity. I, I mean, we still, right now, this is the most peaceful, free, and prosperous time in world history, except for maybe the past, you know, if you look at the economic data, we've gone down a little bit, but still, we're about on course to where we were three years ago, and we'll bounce back from that, and thankfully, we'll continue to be peaceful and prosperous, but when we don't have to go through the hardships, we think every little thing is a hardship to the point where we have safe spaces and snowflakes and all the rest because you can't even look at someone sideways without it being this huge microaggression or whatever. <laughs> well, then we are at that place that we just mentioned of uh, it's not blessing unless I feel good about it. We experience that with our nation as Joe Biden uh, stood up to the podium during his inauguration. We heard so many people now, you know, some of the folks who didn't want God anywhere near America are now saying, God bless America and how exciting it is. I was reading an opinion piece from Susan Knopp uh, entitled God Bless America. She was talking about some of the profound words of the new president and how he referenced Abraham Lincoln's words. My soul, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people. And she talked about how hard that might be with uh, the racial injustice hanging over us. Now, I say that uh, to talk about blessing because she mentioned in her article, Mark, that her first real comprehension of racial inequity came in college when her classmate told her about her childhood. In the inner city of Baltimore, she said her experience were so different than Susan's. Uh, she said, I grew up with security and opportunity, and she had to grow up relying on her own wits and strength of her character. And that's what she calls racial inequality. Now, racial, I, I get that some people can feel that there's racial inequality. I think there's economic inequality. There's inequality for people who are overweight. There's inequality for people who are un unattractive. There's all sorts of inequality, but there's also opportunity. And as a, as a woman of color, I want to tell you, that classmate of hers had opportunity that she did not. Growing up with security and opportunity is much like your blog posting. You uh, aren't really exercising your full opportunity in your security and opportunity where this classmate, girlfriend had to rely on her wits and strength and her character. How much farther do you think that can take her in life? And I think that's along the lines of your blog posting, which we're putting a link to everywhere you are listening to us right now. Yeah, you know, you think about 
the Hollywood types, you know, Jim Belushi is a famous case. He had everything going for him and there's countless other Hollywood stars like that ended up ODing, right? Uh, Hey, you know, you want to have the ultimate high, just take a bunch of cocaine. You'll feel really good. But you know, the day after and the the weeks after you're not going to feel so good. So what, what is it you want? Do you want the hard work that pays off in the end? Or do you want to just fly high and crash and burn? Uh, You know, you think about people like Oprah, who grew up in poverty. So many stories of people growing up in poverty. There's actually a book by Brian Buffini called The Immigrant Edge that profiles Mm -hmm. immigrants to this country who always seem to just do these amazing things and go on to lead companies. Yet they come from these, you know, even to call them humble beginnings would, uh, uh, would be an understatement. They had to really work hard, uh, but because of that, they outperform everybody else. You know, a lot of people also like to talk about the Jews, which make up less than 1% of the world population. And people, you know, there's always the Jewish conspiracy. Well, why do they always run the banks? And why do they run Hollywood? And why do they do all this? Well, uh, you know, to the extent that that might be the case, maybe it's because they've had to suffer far more than the rest of us. So they brush it off and say, well, I got to get back up. I got to do it. Whereas everybody else, the trust fund babies, the Hollywood stars, they they want everything handed to them on a silver platter. And so when it doesn't go their way, they just give up. So what we do in that instance, bringing it back to blessing, is we don't see the blessings that surround us, that inundate us, that we are bathing in every single day. And maybe part of the solution is learning to see those blessings and say thank you. You get the final word, buddy. You know, throughout the Bible, uh, I have a quote in there from uh, the book of James, consider it all joy, my brothers. Uh, you know, everything that comes at us. You think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, the hardships he had to go through, the, the storms, the, the persecution, the jailing, and he was doing it all for Christ, and he was he considered it a blessing. Count it all joy when you experience trials, tribulations, issues, the world seems to turn upside down. Just consider it all joy. How do you consider it all joy? Because you count your blessings and you know there's a blessing waiting for us who really have connected with that God story. That's exciting. You can read uh, at thepoliticalbistro.com, Mark's writings, and you can hear him here from time to time as our off-the-wall commentator. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. just really use a blessing today, right? We're going to be continuing our conversation talking about blessings. Does God bless you? Does God bless America? We're going to talk with a pastor. We're going to talk with a rabbi. And we're going to listen to the National Yiddish Theater Folksbien does a production of Fiddler on the Roof. They're there off-Broadway in New York. They performed for uh, the inauguration. This was their rendition of God Bless America.
never thought I'd hear God bless America in Yiddish. That was very cool. Well, as we talk about God blessing America and God blessing you, it's time for us to get a little view from Jerusalem. And now a view from Jerusalem with Rabbi Adlerstein. Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein is with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He is the Director of Interfaith Affairs. Rabbi, always love to connect with our beloved rabbi. We're talking blessings today in a time where blessings don't feel very abundant in America or in much of the world. You know, politics have been crazy in this country since before the founding of the state. But they seem tame compared to what's going on in America. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably glad to be out of the United States at this time because it is crazy here. And uh, it's not just the news. It's uh, it's a palpable feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling amongst the people, an angst. Uh, there's something amiss, and, and it, you can feel it. While I was in exile for three months uh, in the U.S., but, you know, a little bit before and after the election, oh, I could definitely course. feel that. Yeah. It was so sad to, to see what had happened to my Los Angeles. Oh, indeed. Yeah. It, and my, my city of Seattle, uh, it has turned into, I cry when I drive through it every time when I see what it looks like. Just about a year ago, I was in Indonesia on Java Island and took a six-hour train ride through gorgeous country mm-hmm. but many places along this beautiful lush countryside you would see hovels of of just shacks thrown together and you know those shacks and the people there the faces are just indelible in my memory but what i saw there was cleaner more organized and happier than what i see on the streets of seattle <laughs> yeah so very, very tough. United, United Nations, if you haven't, if you've never looked there, the United Nations, I don't remember which agency, but it is an official part of the United Nations, does a happiness survey uh, periodically. I remember seeing last mm. year's, I think it may only come out every few years, but one of the, one of the uh, highest rated countries in the world on happiness was a Central American country. I forgot which one. A very poor country, but on on all the criteria of happiness, they outdid all the European countries. Okay, and that is really hard for a lot of people to wrap their minds around as we just segue right into our topic today. Does God bless America? Maybe we have a bit of a messed up view of what a blessing really is. As we talk about blessings today, we can focus on two days celebrated on the Jewish calendar. One seems like a great blessing. Uh, Tub Shavat? You're not helping me. And uh, Thank you. Tub Shavat yes. <laughs> is a celebration of a new year of four trees. I think it's a grand celebration to remind us of the beauty of all of creation, that we are nestled in a time in the history of the universe where life is ripe. Diversity 
is grand. Think of just the diversity of trees alone. It's astounding. It's almost as though it was handmade, handpicked, designed perfectly for man to survive, to thrive, to grow, and to be blessed. Now, the other holiday is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Does that speak against blessings? I want to talk about these. Well, that's a tall order. (laughs) There's a a lot there. You know, you are so right about the the blessings of this this world. In in Jewish thought, a blessing is anything that, that doesn't have to be there by the minimum necessary to sustain the world. Although you could regard the world itself as a blessing. God didn't have to create anything. He doesn't need anything. But from our point of view, if God wants to sustain the world, and you look around and look at all the, the, the added on benefits that he put in the world. Uh, someone a thousand years ago pointed out that we all think that food is a blessing. Right? We couldn't live without it. And yet God could have created all food out there to be absolutely bland, colorless, without any appeal at all. We'd still eat it to stay alive. But then we think of all the great tastes that are out there in, in, in nature and what we can do with them. And that's, that's a blessing. Now, the, the part of the blessing that people don't get is that it is a blessing to man when uh, he can realize where, what the source of this is. And we can use that as a way, like you just did so beautifully, of saying, you know, it's like God created this thing for, for our benefit and for our use. We can be surrounded by blessings, but mankind does not have a very enviable record of using blessings properly. We tend to, to take blessings and turn them into curses. So God gives us, God gives us longevity and we, we get involved with more foolishness. God gave us the insight to to understand the physical universe about 100 years ago, and we developed an atom bomb and a hydrogen bomb. God, God gave us mm. prosperity, and, and, and we use it. We use it so foolishly so that the family, the thing that held every society together from the beginning of recorded time, is now seriously in danger or has disappeared entirely in some societies, which will not last. Part of a blessing is the ability to use it properly. You know, in the Bible, we have, if we're going to look for insight, don't go to Adlerstein or a rabbi or a priest. Go to the Word of God. (laughs) There's a priestly blessing in the book of Numbers, and it's three lines long. And I I always was bothered by the fact that if, you know, these, these, these priests in the temple are going to bring down some kind of divine blessing to people, what they should say is, God bless you! And everybody will say, yay, God! And that's it. <laughs> and people people will be happy. That's I like that. Blessing. T- I will but take it, that. Yes, but, yes. But you shouldn't, because look at those three lines and see what's there. The first line, may God bless you and preserve you. If you have a blessing... And you don't safeguard it. You don't value it and keep it strong. If the blessing isn't guarded, 
it, it, it vanishes. It's ephemeral. I'm not going to give you my, my insights or, or the Torah's insights into to what all three of these lines, but the next line, just the beginning of the next line, may God shine his countenance upon you. If you don't have the, the presence of God in your life, if you, if you don't have the insight of God's wisdom, you'll take those blessings and turn them into curses, as we, as we usually do. You know, people, people ask, does God indeed bless America? It became an issue again about singing God bless America at the inauguration. There's no question that God blessed America. He blessed some other places as well. We're all blessed with things, but uh, objectively, did God bless America? Sure it did. Where have you found such a concentration of, of natural resources, of, 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 of roominess, of being empty, uh, uh, not, not entirely empty, there were indigenous people here, but huge tracts of unoccupied land precisely at a point in history where Western civilization was just going from religious war to religious war, and those religious wars were in the end primarily political, and people just needed a place out to, to, to get away from all of that, to get away from the oppression and persecution. So precisely at the right moment in history, you had people who were motivated to enshrine freedom and personal liberty as mainstays of the society they were going to build, and a huge influx of people. The immigration to America at the time was a, was a blessing, was a blessing. What did we do with it? We did some very positive things with it, and we also took all we took all of that and and and, and we we massacred we massacred the Indians along the way. We were we were full of our our own uh, in, internal um, fights between the, the the different immigrant groups. We we imported we imported slavery. We we took the blessings. And in many cases, we either wasted them or turned them to worse. Part of, of blessing is understanding where it all comes from and using it for the reason that God gave us those blessings, to create a bond between us and God. Every blessing is an opportunity for us to stop in the middle of, of, what, of what we're doing and say, God, you really do love me. You love mankind. You love me. It's not a perfect world. We're trying to figure that out. It's a challenge because part of this world is preparing for the next world. And all these challenges are good for us about where we're supposed to go. But God, I recognize that these things are gifts. A gift that goes acknowledged loses its potency. If you have relatives and you send them gifts all the time, and nobody ever acknowledges them, hmm. you're going to stop sending the gifts. That's the way it works with God, too. In that is our catchphrase. Blessings are for bonding, bonding with God. But here, as we talk about God blessing America, we have effectively said, thank you very much, God, but we don't need you anymore. We got this from here. In fact, we don't even really believe in you anymore, and we don't even want to mention you. So when everything seems to go crazy, 
suddenly people are asking, well, where's God? Where's your God in all of this? <laughs> well, um, he was kind of unwelcome to begin with, but it is a confusing mess when we think of blessings only in the light of if it makes me feel good, then it's a blessing. You know, you look at the Bible, which is the only way we have any insight at all into the in, into the, the nature of God and the mind of God. We can never understand per, God perfectly because he's beyond our comprehension, but he does tell us how we're supposed to relate to him. You look at the Bible and it doesn't say anywhere stick with me and I'm promising you a, a rose garden. It talks about a, a linear relationship between, between spiritual elevation and, and, and God's, God's proximity, God's closeness to us. And it says, when you mess up, the world is going to be a messy place. It says that I am giving you the choice. And you can always ask, where was God? But people don't ask enough, where was man? If you want God to intervene all the time, every time there's injustice, we're surrounded by injustice. Well, that can bring us to our second Jewish holiday being celebrated this week, Holocaust Remembrance Day. That's a very, very bleak day. Doesn't seem like there were a lot of blessings. Uh, what was God's part? What was man's part? Uh, the, the Holocaust is maybe the, the is such a different chapter in history, so systematized and mechanized. As as a as a war against people based on nothing more than destroying an entire nation. Yet, as injustice, there's there's injustice around us all the time. And we ask, why didn't God create a perfect world? Why doesn't He intervene? Why doesn't He heal all of the sick? Why doesn't He do away with that? And the 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 answer, at least logically, even if it doesn't work emotionally, is that if that would be the case, we'd be reduced to robots. If every time uh, we, we try to, to make a, a, a wrong choice or the world behaved the wrong way, God would intervene, we would have no choice but to be little puppets held on a string. And one of the most important things about life is free will. Sometimes that free will runs away with itself and, and, and produces the most horrid horrid, horrid things that we can, we can imagine and still can't imagine when we try, when we look back at the Holocaust and, and other things, and other things that have transpired even in our lifetimes. Um, but human free will is what makes life worthwhile. It gives us independence. It is part of what we mean by man being created in God's image. And human beings have free will. What we have to take away from the Holocaust is how easy it is for people to give up that free will and to become uh, and, and, to, and to become slaves of their society and their government and 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 to leaders who will take away the difficulty and the pain of having to make choices by having a strong charismatic voice tell everybody where they're supposed to go. There's, there's something so attractive to that, so soothing and 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 and, and comforting that you can turn an, an advanced nation to a nation of barbarians almost overnight. But it wasn't overnight. The Holocaust wasn't overnight. That's what we forget so often. It took years and years of preparation. It took subtle ways of creating, of creating uh, uh, disharmony and hatred of, uh, of a people for another people. And those 
precursors, those precursors of the Holocaust, the silence of people who could have spoken up and didn't, and didn't uh, speak up. Those are the things that immediately we have to take away from the Holocaust, International Holocaust Remembrance yeah. Day. You, you didn't have a guy who came to power and said, hey, let's exterminate all the Jews. It was a process. And parts of that go on all the time. They go on when you, you, when you see bullying and you don't do anything. They, they, they go on when, when, when you see today Christians dying in Nigeria every day. And people keep silent about it, including, including other Christians. It, 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 it includes the fact that everybody knows that China is one of the most brutal oppressors of human beings on the face of the earth, that they have concentration camps. That's not an exaggeration. Concentration camps for Uyghurs, they're, they're, they're sterilizing women. And we look the other way. You know why? Because in the back of our minds, we're saying we can't be too tough with China. We get lots of cheap goods from them. And we like to keep it that way. So it's convenient. Those are some of the things that led to the Holocaust, the silence of other people, the silence of people who should have spoken up, appeasement of evil, like we're about ready to do with Iran again. Those, those are some of the lessons that we have to take away from the Holocaust. In other words, we as humans abuse the blessings. We take the blessings that we've been given and we do evil things with them. And the flip side of the coin of blessings for me, Rabbi, is many of the times in my life where it seems that evil has prevailed. I remember that blessings aren't always those things that feel good. I guess maybe I've I, I wonder if blessings are whatever God allows in my life, um, even when I don't understand why, because he does keep me. His face can still shine upon me when my world's falling apart, and he gives me a peace that I can't explain because I put my trust in him. He knows the final outcome, and in the end, I'm looking for his ultimate blessing, and I think that that's the deeper story for people of faith, that you have something inside of you that transcends human understanding that keeps you in the midst of the storm in this place of peace that's pretty powerful stuff and to me that's the biggest blessing yeah and um you've just channeled what i was talking about before that, that priestly blessing the, the blessing that that, that is there in the Bible as God's words for conveying blessing from God to man and with the word shalom, with peace. After three lines of, of, of different kinds of blessing and what to do with it, in the, in the final analysis, as the Talmud says, that God created no greater vessel for holding blessing other than peace. And the word peace in Hebrew is the same word as wholeness and perfection. Mm -hmm. There is only peace when we can be whole within ourselves. And we can't be whole within ourselves without letting God in far more than we do. So maybe we can come to the end of our conversation together today and for just a moment, get past the idea of God blessing America. How do I become a blessing 
in my America. And I think that's exactly what you were painting a picture of. If I can have that wholeness and peace inside myself, that may be the only way that I can really uh, appreciate the blessings from God, have that bond with him, but also be a blessing so that I can bless America or wherever I may be listening today. That's that's beautiful, but I'm going to add one thing that we were talking about, just the two of us before the, uh, the, the microphones uh, cut in, we were talking about you know, your new platform, Michelle, and 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 how it's and and how it's picking up new support, new numbers all the time. Yeah. And you said at the time that you know it's really not about numbers; it's really about doing what I can, of what God wants me to do, to perhaps help somebody out there who I don't even know. And I think that's the other part of this. Something that'll be a blessing to America and a blessing to ourselves is when we say we are unique individuals. What is it that we can do? We don't have to save the world, nor does God expect that of, of, of us. But what, how can I use my talents, my unique personality and talents in the, in the best service of God, meaning to reach out to my fellow man? And there's immense satisfaction when you turn the p- particular blessings that God has given to you as an individual and say, God, I'm trying my best and I'm having an impact. I'm not saving the world or the state or, or my city, but I'm, 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 I'm making life better for a few other people out there. And what better recipe is there, both for community cohesion and for keeping God in this world, other than tending to the needs of others. Rabbi, we have had many, many conversations, and I have to tell you today, I am walking away very, very blessed. Um, the, the words that you've shared today, the idea of, of God's blessing and trying to be a blessing to others, I am, I just... I guess I, I'm, I'm excited uh, rather than trepidatious about the future when it's put in that light. I, I can't tell you how much I've appreciated it today. Thank you so much. And I'm, oh, it's always a joy to spend some time with you and with the audience and look forward to the, uh, to the time pretty soon when uh, some of you can start visiting again to this great place <laughs> yes. called Israel and Jerusalem. Definitely my bucket list. Rabbi, this has been one of my favorite conversations. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, is it trite to say that was a blessing? Because it really was. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we should be doing it more often. People resist. (laughs) But people, people resist the idea of calling things blessings because they understand that if something's a blessing, then you have to thank someone for it. And sometimes that sense <laughs> of, of gratitude, no, really, the sense of gratitude to God becomes so overwhelming that it becomes part, it becomes easier to just ignore it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't ignore it and you focus on it, it and, and just add it to the list, it, it becomes crushing unless you have something to do with it. And, and it, it's, most people don't really have the capacity 
They've never thought about it enough to know what is it that I'm supposed to do and how can I ever repay this get debt because they don't know enough about God so that, you know, I, I don't want you to recreate the universe. That's not what I want by way of thanks. All I want you to do is use it properly and use it, as you said, for bonding. Acknowledge that it comes from me and, and, and uh, report in. I, I said this, I hope you'll excuse me, <clears throat> but we have our theological differences between Judaism and Christianity, but we also have differences in the way we lead our lives. And I have said again and again and again that one of the worst things that early Christianity did when it parted ways with, with most Jewish practices, but not all of them, one thing that they, got, that they did away with that was, I think, a crucial error was the practice at the time of making blessings on everything that a person eats, mm -hmm. about making 11 blessings in the morning when you, when you get up thanking God for things like the ability to, to, to move, to stand straight, to, to wake up all together. The fact that when you, when you eat uh, a, a piece of food, the first thing you ask yourself is, which is the proper blessing? We don't just say, thank you, God but we have different blessings for different food categories that, that make you take the idea of blessing far more seriously. There's nothing particularly Jewish about that. That, that should have been preserved. And, and um, I, I think that, that Christianity is the poorer for having, having lost that opportunity. I would agree because now we've denigrated to things like open the mouth, over the gums, look out, stomach, here it comes, and that it just does not work. Yeah. But I, <laughs> But yes. I, I would. And, and we had one like that also. Rub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub. Yay, God. <laughs> but I think it, it. I wonder if uh, my mind ponders that maybe in all of that, that's really like praise. God doesn't ask us to thank him and praise him because he's an egomaniac. <laughs> he does that really because we need to be grateful. We need to understand where the Absolutely. blessings come. Yeah. Right. Well, well right. Rabbi, thank you again for your yeah. time. I cannot I, I cannot tell you how much it means to me. Thank you. It means a lot to me. That means something to you. And I really do enjoy these. And uh look, I hope uh hope things change things change pretty quickly. Yeah, well uh, I think we're gonna turn turn a corner soon. Okay, I love this show today. It almost sounds like a weird joke. A regular guy, a rabbi, and a pastor walk onto a podcast just to talk about God blessing you and God blessing America. Pastor Alan Jackson joins us as he is senior pastor of World Outreach Church. Uh, pastor Jackson, you've written a book, God Bless America Again. I guess that would uh, assume that he's blessed us before. And from your book, you point out that we do have a pretty rich heritage pulling off of some biblical ideas. And that may have led to the growth of one of the greatest and certainly most prosperous nations that the world has ever known. Well, absolutely, Michelle. It's good to be with you. It's good to have you. Know, I don't you. think there's any question with just a cursory review of American history that God has blessed our nation. We have enjoyed unprecedented freedoms and liberties and opportunities. 
there's never been an experiment quite like this in self-government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And there have been episodes where God has awakened us as a nation. You know, the first great awakening, it really preceded the, the American Revolution. And in many ways, I think, put values in place that helped us imagine freedom and autonomy and liberty were God-given, as our founding documents represent. And then a second great awakening in the first part of the 19th century, you know, before the Civil War, touched our nation, you know, in every part, New England, in the on the frontier. Um, and I think we have reason to believe that God could do that again, and I would certainly hope that he would. The, the problems in our nation are not going to be solved by politicians or economics. We need spiritual change, and for that, we need God's help. Well, we can certainly look around and see that there are some problems all around us. And so it does beg that question, does God still bless America? Will God still bless America, Pastor? Well, that's an, that's an intriguing question. If I could answer that with certainty, I'd be too smart to stay in Tennessee. <laughs> but I, I think there is, there is reason to believe biblically that when God's people humble <clears throat> themselves and turn their faces to him in humility and repentance, that God responds to them. That is the pattern of the Scripture. It is repeated over and over and over and over again. I think if the church stands in arrogance and pride and self-righteousness and imagines that our problems are because of the hard hearts of the wicked, we will forfeit the blessings of God. I think most of our challenges are because of the indifference of the faithful. So that is uh, kind of convicting. <laughs> We're at a conviction moment brought to you by Pastor Alan Jackson right now. I mean, when you think about that, that brings it back to personal responsibility. And we're in a place where it, in the history of our nation where it's not about blaming me. It's about looking at what your problem is, calling you out, canceling you, uh, keeping your voice from not being heard, uh, shouting you down because you're wrong, you're bad, you're evil. And what you're saying essentially is uh you may want to look a little bit inside friend well I, I'm, I'm saying that to myself and i'm inviting other people to say something similar mm -hmm. because i believe that will get us bring the best outcome from god i think we have for too long dined at the table of entitlement and we're aware of our rights and our privileges and what we are owed because of something. And we have avoided the, the invitation to responsibility. And I think, is, again, I, I want to start within the church. That's where I spend most of my time. I think if those of us within the church can begin to say, we have failed in many ways to be salt and light. We have failed as the conscience of our culture. We are almost indistinguishable from the world that we've been called to speak into. If we can humble ourselves, then I have tremendous hope that God will respond to his people. Um, but that really is my only hope for us. I don't believe the solutions will come from the political arena. They may be expressed in those arenas, but the, the momentum for those changes will come from the hearts of God's people. Okay, I hear you there. I want to maybe back up a little bit and talk about blessings, what blessings are, what they aren't, and 
why what what we see in this nation of uh is the prosperity that we've experienced the power that we have experienced is that is that what blessing looks like i think that's a part of it certainly freedom and liberty um the abundance of our lives you know i heard one of our newly elected elected congresspersons say the other day that um that the younger generations had never known prosperity and I appreciate political rhetoric, but that reflects such an ignorance of the larger world. You know, if you've traveled the world and visited mm-hmm. other nations, you know, our, our young people, all of our people, not just our young people, we have more options than the overwhelming majority of the world. Much of the world's never slept on a sheet. Many of them have no access to health care. And we may not have the sheets we want. Or we may not like the pricing of our health care, but we have many, 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 many blessings. And it's unfortunate that we have lost sight of that. You know, I have lived in places in the world where there we, I didn't have access to a grocery store. And one of the I, I still find tremendous joy in walking into a grocery store. You go down the cookie aisle and there's 70 different kinds of cookies you can choose from. If you need mustard, you need more instructions. Because there's two dozen different kinds of mustard. And we assume that the whole world lives like that. And I assure you, they do not. And I I just would like to awaken us to the goodness of God. And maybe it would help us gain a little momentum out of the, the pit of despair. I know life has problems. You can be you can have tremendous wealth and resources and still have a broken heart. I'm not saying our lives are easy or that they're not filled with challenges, but we have many blessings. But I believe they've come from God and not because we're uniquely special. They're certainly not the rights of ours because we're human beings. I think they extend to us from the hand of God. Okay, Pastor Jackson, let's talk for just a moment about America and what blessing is. It seems like those Christians, the God believers, uh, the church, whatever you want to call them, stand against many things like abortion, anything LGBTQ, and other issues. And yet, God blesses everyone. And in America, traditionally um, Judeo-Christian country, even people outside of what the church deems as being okay have enjoyed great blessing and freedom. I mean, you don't see people throwing someone off a roof because of their sexual orientation in America. So there tends to be a blessing for everyone. I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, that's a really good perspective. You know, one of the fundamental tenets of Scripture is the dignity of human life, that we are image bearers of Almighty God, and every human being bears that dignity. So there is an essential value in every human life, from the youngest amongst us, the unborn, to the most elderly amongst us. So with with that principle in play, then we're left to discern and understand from Scripture what it means to walk in relationship with the sovereign God. And he has defined things for us. I mean, he introduced the categories of sin and obedience to us. And those aren't for us to choose. Those are us to decide whether or not we will cooperate with God or we won't. And he's given us the freedom to make that decision. 
but that's not ours yeah. to define. He is sovereign and our creator. So mm-hmm. every person has dignity. It doesn't mean that every behavior is appropriate, but every person has dignity. I think the church forfeited some moral authority on the discussion around you know, gay rights when we abandoned really biblical worldview on human sexuality in general. You know, we winked and kind of winked and nodded at fornication and extramarital sex and all sorts of things. That You know, the, the Bible says that the marriage bed is holy. God's not a prude. Sex was his idea. But he defined the boundaries for that. And when the church wasn't willing to f- use much our voice on those topics, then we didn't have a great deal of moral authority to talk about the homosexuality issue. But God loves every person. And we all face our brokenness and need the redemptive work of the cross to bring transformation to us. And that's the good news of the gospel, that none of us are beyond the redemption of God. So it sounds like it comes back to something you were saying before. This is this is a journey where I have to say I have to take some personal responsibility and I'm inviting you to come along for the ride. That's where we get in touch with this amazing blessing of God. It's not from saying uh, God hates you. God doesn't like what you're doing. You're pretty bad and you I'm just not fond of. This really is about me taking care and cleaning my own house before I point out how bad uh, your sin is. Absolutely. And I I think we need to introduce one more component of the discussion, and that's that evil exists. You know, otherwise we're just angry at God and we blame him. Hmm. But evil exists and it is destructive. And and you don't need a great deal of discernment to see evil in our world. And I'm not calling anyone or any behavior evil, but it's not hard to see that evil exists. Things we do to one another are almost impossible to describe apart from the imagination of evil. And so we need to hope that there's a power greater than evil that will intervene on our behalf to bring purpose and meaning and value to our lives, to be invited into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth, where he has provided remedy for our frailty and our brokenness and our rebellion. And no one is turned away because of their gender or the color of their skin or their IQ or the financial resources available to them is the greatest invitation presented to humanity. The the church has a wonderful message to give, and it's not how to compromise with the world. It's to tell the story of how God is redeeming us. We are a people in progress. We are not a finished work. And people say to me, they don't want to come to church. There's too many hypocrites. And I always smile and say, well, we'll make room for one more. Come join us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. It's just not a perfect place. <laughs> You're so right. Um, and that's the kind of people I'm more comfortable with. Instead of going to church with people with the perfect smiles and everything's good, bless the Lord and all of that. You know, that's unrelatable to people of the world. We're all really having to deal with real life issues, struggles, concerns, fears, our own failings. But that's where we're imperfect. And if there really is a God and a God story, then there's a deeper story and there's a deeper hope. And if there is a God and a God story, Pastor Jackson, then there's a God that's ready to bless. In your book, you talk about great blessing and great responsibility. And I think we've been touching on that a little bit indirectly, but let's really address that. God is there. If God blesses us, with great blessing comes great responsibility. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's a fundamental biblical tenet. Who much is given, much is required. Jesus taught it in his parables. You know, those who were given great talents and entrusted with great responsibilities, there were higher expectations from them. That's not a burden. It's just an acknowledgement. You know, simply by, by if, if English is your first language, you have access to the Word of God and to biblical teaching and to information around Scripture that for much of the world is far more difficult to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So when we say blessings, it's easy to look at myself and think, well, you know, I'm not blessed. I don't have Bill Gates resources or <laughs> whoever your financial hero is, or I don't have the athletic ability of LeBron James. But the reality is all of us have been blessed. And, and I think a beginning point is to make peace with that. It doesn't mean everything in our life is perfect. But great resources don't make our lives perfect, or we wouldn't have so many tragic endings to people with tremendous fame and, and wealth. But if we can begin where we are and identify some ways that God has shown us kindness and grace, then it gives us a platform to begin to build on from there. And I, it's, it's my prayer for the, the people that I interact with, because life is harder than we want it to be. And there, there's a brutality to life in the, in the world. I'm looking forward to a, a new world. I'm looking forward to, to Jesus ruling and reigning in righteousness. But for the time being, we're in this system. And for me to begin seeing those places where the grace of God has touched my life. I was in the Amazon some time ago. And we were in a very, very remote part along the river. And I went, I met village after village where the people had none of the modern conveniences, no electricity, certainly no plumbing. And most of them would never travel more than about 20 miles from the place of their birth. Mm-hmm. And I, one night I just sat down and wept. I thought, God, other than your grace, I, I would have been born here. I would have never seen a television or a library. And I didn't earn that or deserve that. That was your mercy and your kindness to me. And I was so convicted because I get grumpy about stuff. I, mean, I get grumpy if the line's too long when I'm waiting to get a latte. You know, or if I go to the grocery store and they don't have the kind of mustard I want, they only have 11 options, and then I'm really annoyed. So it, it's been really helpful for me to begin to say thank you before I begin to express the demands that I think God should give attention to. <laughs> yes, we are kind of demanding of God's blessing, and that's something else that may be a problem in America. You mentioned our uh, we've we've had this great prosperity and, and and kind of an entitlement. I think that we feel like we're entitled to uh, things that are good, and and that begs the question. Pastor Jackson, if if blessings are only those things that we really like, that feel good to us, or if really there's the scripture that says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You're his. Everything that comes into my life, even the things that I don't like, the things I don't understand, maybe the things that break my heart uh, and, and even make me angry at God, those things God's using in a greater story. So in essence, wouldn't they be considered a blessing too? They would. I like a better translation of that verse. It says that in all things, God works for my good. If for those that love him, I like that. And that's, that's a more hope. That's a more hopeful place for me. You know, God was working on Joseph's behalf when his brothers sold him into slavery. 
God was working on Joseph's behalf when he refused the invitations to immorality from Potiphar's wife and was imprisoned. God was working on Joseph's behalf when he was left languishing in prison. And, and the outcome ended up being very good for Joseph and his family. And I, I need that hope because life isn't fair. And some of the things that happen to us are beyond disappointing. But we have, we need that hope that's anchored in the person of Jesus that says, even in the midst of my brokenness and my pain and my despair, God can work for my good. Most of us are far more receptive learners when we're desperate than when we're triumphant. Wow. And that's more about Alan's character than it is about anything else. Ouch, it's so true, though. It's so true. As as you're listening today <clears throat> to our conversation with Pastor Alan Jackson, and he referenced Joseph, Joseph, a story in the Bible. You can read it in Genesis between uh, the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible between, I think, uh, chapter 37 and 50. What a story. And what a story of a, of a man uh, trusting in God and God bringing great deliverance and great blessings. But God was also there in his despair as well. That glimmer of hope that says, you know, I know who I believe in. You know, that's that's a powerful blessing as well. That glimmer of hope that's that can be within us. And that brings me back to America. America is suffering right now. America's divided. Our leaders seem like bumbling buffoons because there's not much they can do to quell the angst that has bubbled over amongst us. So what we are really looking for is a real blessing. What does that look like? Amen. And how do we get it? Well, I, I think, you know, from where I sit today, a real blessing would be healing in our nation. Yeah. There, we, we are so deeply divided and there's so much anger. But I, I don't think true peace comes until we have peace with God. And so I think that's going to take some courage on behalf of the church. You know, I'm so grateful. As awkward as 2020 was and as much fear as was introduced, I think it was a time of awakening. Our routines got disrupted. And I believe out of that, there's going to come some some really um, valuable tools for healing. And so I've been encouraging, you know, anyone I talk to, to, to begin to imagine what it looks like to make peace with God for yourself. Uh, it, it's not an oversimplification. The tools that we have been given have changed the world over and over and over again. You know, a casual review of American history, again, the, the greatest forces for positive change have come when we've embraced a biblical worldview. When we addressed, I mean, it was the it was the authority of Scripture that was the moral authority for the civil rights movement, and it brought mm -hmm. tremendous change to our nation. We just we just mourned the loss of Henry Aaron, a man of such immense dignity, and who suffered horribly under racism. And, and I think we forget the progress we have made because we're frustrated with the, the fact that there's still progress to be made. I mean, we can go further back. Child labor laws, you know, children were treated abominably. And it was a Christian worldview that interceded and said that the Industrial Absolutely. Revolution couldn't be built on the back of abusing children. We're still tr struggling with finding rights for our children and the unborn over economic opportunity. But we have won those victories in the past, and I believe we'll see those victories again. Um, women's suffrage, the, 
you know, the, the moral impetus for those, all of that has come from a Christian worldview. And I, I think the church has a message to offer into our culture, not apologetically. We're not perfect. We're comprised of people. But over and over again in our national history, the worldview we hold has brought liberty and freedom to groups of people. We are a nation of immigrants, and yet we have worked together to become the most prosperous nation in human history. And I believe we can do that again if we'll understand the source of our strength. And it's not a political party, or it doesn't come from the Federal Reserve. It comes from our heart and a relationship with Almighty God. Your book is God Bless America Again, and maybe my final question, not to be a downer, but if we're seeing the beginning of the end of America, you know, every nation does fall, every kingdom topples, every leader dies. So what I'm, what I'm hearing beyond the hope of a blessing for America is that we have a hope beyond America. We have a hope in God. I'd like to end with that thought. That's important. We have an assignment beyond America. We have an allegiance Hmm. beyond America. The occupant of the White House doesn't determine our future, nor the majority in the halls of Congress. We are children of the King, and we've been given a life assignment. And if we have the privilege of pursuing that amongst the freedoms and the abundance that we have known that's wonderful. If we are required to pursue that in other ways, it's no less valid, and we shouldn't confuse the two or conflate the two. And so I think your point is well taken. If God chooses to bring judgment to our nation, I still trust him to care for his people. You know, when judgment came to Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians in 587 B.C., he still took care of his prophet Jeremiah and the people around him. And if if you will seek the Lord, God will care for you beyond what happens around us. But as citizens and and people who've been blessed in this place, we pray for those in authority over us. But you're absolutely right. Our life assignment transcends the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. Well put. I'd like to encourage you as you're listening today to look into that God story. And if you want more information, you can reach me. Go to mymichellelive.com. Email me. I want to hear from you. Spread the God story. Let people know there is hope. And in the pages of Pastor Alan Jackson's book, God Bless America Again, uh, Prophetic Prospect, uh, which you can find, we have links everywhere you're listening to me right now. There are some ideas in there that may be transformative to your own life. Can God bless America again? Why don't we start with just you and me? Thank you so much for making time for us today, Pastor Jackson. It's just been really, I I guess, hope-filled, really hope-filled in the time of darkness. And man, I can't thank you enough. Well, it's our privilege, Michelle, and thank you for what you're doing. Together, we can make a difference. You know, I just realized that our pastor and our rabbi today both left the program. Hey, things are going to look better. I think 
I think everything's going to be okay. I like hearing that. And I want you to know that regardless of what happens around us, I really do believe in the God story, that God's got things under control and he's got you in this. He's got you. So if you want to know more about the God story, email me. Go to mymichellelive.com. Let me know your thoughts and your questions and your concerns. Let me know where you think we've got it wrong. That's fine too, because your voice, what you have to say really is important. If it's important to God, then I'd be a hypocrite to say it wasn't important to me, right? I mean, it's important. So I want to hear from you. Thanks for being part of the program today. Thank you for digging deep into the God story. And as you do, will you like this, share this, tell your friends, copy the link, let people know who may need to listen, who may need to find the God story on their own. This is my Michelle Live. More news and views at mymichellelive.com.